Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention... (laughs) Along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And hello there, and good good day to all of you. I, I feel like I've been sitting in this chair for four or five hours. I was at a, at a, at a summit this morning, and, and here I am back on air, and I just love it. I am very excited to be here with all these two artists that are my guests today, one is an author, the other a singer-songwriter. Both are amazing storytellers. And if you've ever wanted to write a book or become a songwriter, then you are in for a real treat. And my guests today are Mike DeLasso and Scott Krokoff. Now, if you're thinking how lucky it is that these guys are able to have the time to indulge their passion to write, let me just say, they both have day jobs and families who demand attention. Before you meet them, we are going to talk about as always, the United Nations Global Goals, and today is no different, except that today I have an update for you. So as well as aligning the show with the United Nations Global Goals, I'm also giving it today's good news story. Now, uh, they have a high-level political forum on sustainable development happening right now, like from July uh, the 11th through to the 20th in New York City. The United Nations um, High-Level Political Forum on Sustainable Development is the essential platform for guiding global efforts uh, to achieve the 17 sustainable development goals adopted by all member states. Remember, that's 193 countries that they all decided and approved in September 2015. Now, this year's forum is the first one since the adoption of the 2030 Agenda and the Sustainable Development Goals. And that means that they are going to include voluntary reviews from 22 countries, thematic reviews of the progress that they've already made toward the goals. And I have to tell you that some significant progress truly has been made. And to draw attention to it, um, they are highlighting the work done in one country uh, toward each of the 17 sustainable development goals every day from July the 4th until the forum, which concludes on July the 20th. Tomorrow, um, Thomas Gass, he's the head of the United Nations uh, Economic and Social Affairs. He is actually hosting a Twitter chat tomorrow morning from 8.30 to 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. So if you are interested, if you have something to say, if you want to know more about the, the global goals, I'm so excited that we get to participate in that. And I'm really excited um, about Korea because they have been very busy defining and working on global goal number three, which is good health and well-being. Now, in 2016, the Republic of Korea launched its Safe Life for All initiative, and it builds on the goals to make the world safe and secure from infectious diseases. It also aims to support the enhancement of health security partners countries and proactively prevent infectious diseases, detect them as early as possible, respond rapidly 
linked to public health crisis and much, much more than that. I've actually posted their Safe Life initiative on my goodradionetwork.com website, and you can read the report, and it really is truly impressive. I'm so excited. Yay. Uh, it kind of reminds me of containment. Anybody watching that new show? Ooh, that's pretty scary. Anyway, first I'd like you to meet Mike DeLasso. Mike is the author of several novels of suspense, 10 in fact, and these include The Hunted Scream, Darlington Woods, uh, to name a few, Fear Mountain Centralia, and his latest, Kill Devil. Now, Mike is also an adjunct professor of creative writing. He's a popular conference teacher, a husband, a father. He's was born in Baltimore, and he now resides in southern Pennsylvania with his wife and four daughters. And I'm very excited to meet him because, Mike, I have to tell you, Kill Devil was a page turner from the first moment I laid eyes on it. I'm just like, well, good, oh, my gosh. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Glad you enjoyed it. Such a great book. You know, I read a lot of books. I read maybe three, four, five a week, depending on the publishers, what they want to send me and, and who right, my guests sure. are. And, you know, it's always like, oh, okay, here comes another book. And I'm excited to read. I love to read them. But yours was like such a delight, I have to say. Well, such good. a delight. Now, I know that you're with Tyndale. So that makes my day. Oh, good. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and Kill Devil is, is, if I can liken it to a Jason Byrne kind of novel, your, your characters are, sure. you know involved in a you know spy and, and intrigue and government and all that kind of stuff now i just wanted to say that i know that you're with tyndale and they are a christian publisher and when i was first offered your book kill devil from a christian publisher i'm like what <laughs> <You know>? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're planning mass destruction and how does this fit <laughs> so but you were able to cleverly insert your faith into the book and it doesn't really feel out of place so let me ask you how important is it for you to write about god and faith um, for me, it's kind of the, the number one thing for what I do. I mean, I, I, I could write stories just for pure entertainment, and I hope my stories are very entertaining, and it sounds like they are, or at least you found it was. Yeah, um, absolutely. But for me, my faith is central to my life, and that goes for every aspect of my life, for being a husband, um, I work uh, full-time um, um, doing physical therapy in people's homes, home care, um, and, you know, being a husband, a father, um, and that spills over into my writing. I can't not put my faith in there because it is central to my life, to um, who I am. So... With the storytelling, I, I feel like I need to put it in there. For, for me, it's something, if it wasn't in there, it would feel like I wasn't, um, wasn't being true to myself. Okay, now I know that you have a master's in theology. And that's one thing that yeah. I'm going to talk about with, with both of you guys, because you have, you know, you both are, are, have several degrees, and, and maybe what you have a degree in isn't what your passion was, and maybe it is, but... Like you said, you have a full-time job. You do physical therapy in people's homes. You have four children. You've written, thir you know, thirteen novels, I think, or sixteen. Now, how how did you find time? Like, where do you set aside? Do you put your in yeah. a calendar? And go, I'm going to sit down um, and write from five to six every day, or what, how do you do it? Yeah, well, the short answer is I find time very carefully. And by the way, I have five kids now. We had a new baby born three oh, weeks ago. Oh, congratulations! That's right, you did. Um, congratulations! Yeah, yeah they're all nice. girls too. 
five oh, daughters. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bless you, it's, it's a lot of fun, though. It's a lot of fun. Um, what I, you know, you have to just set time aside. I mean, I, you know, I talk to writers all the time, and most writers trying to get started also have a family and a job, and um, the biggest uh, struggle I hear about is finding time. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's like I tell the patients I work with when I give them exercises, and they, oh, you give me all these exercises, and the occupational therapist gives me exercise, and the nurse wants me to do this. And they, you find the time for it. The time is there. Mm-hmm. 24 hours in a day is plenty of time. It's prioritizing, you, I guess. Yes, yes. You need to prioritize. I get up between 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my writing time. I have to start getting ready for work around 6.30-ish. So, you know, that gives me an hour and a half to two hours in the morning that I can write. I can do my emails. I can do marketing stuff. Um, you know, I can do research for writing. And that's something I do seven days a week. Um, but you just kind of have to set the time aside. It's so easy to make excuses. It's easy to say, oh, I just want to sleep in. Um, but, you know, if you're serious about something, uh, if you're um, um, you know, passionate about it, you, w- you will make the time. I tell people, we all find time to sleep. Mm-hmm. We all find time to put food in our mouths because that's a priority. Right. So, so you just have to set the time aside. Well, I'm going to ask you this question, and Scott, you can think about this question in, in the back of your mind too, and and we'll come back. We'll touch on it when we speak to you in a moment. But you know, it's one thing to to schedule your physiotherapy time or exercise time or you know meditation time, but creativity has its own time sometimes. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's like oh, I'm going to schedule and I'm going to be creative right now. <laughs> you know? I'm a writer, yeah. I'm an author, I've got a couple of books. I know what that's like, and it's not always on its own time. So do you, like, you know, I, I imagine like many people, you go through your day and you hear something, do you just write it down or record it and go, oh, that'll be great in my book, it's a good line, or are you always on kind of thinking about it? Yes, I am, um, when I'm writing, uh, I'm always thinking about, the book. I'm thinking about the plot. I'm thinking about the characters. Um, fortunately, with the job I have, I spend time in my car, um, mm-hmm. um, driving from uh, you know, patient to patient. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's thirty minutes. But that gives me time I can think. Mm-hmm. So I'm constant. I'm constantly thinking about what's coming next. So when I sit down in the morning, I can just kind of jump right in, and I'm not sitting there staring at a blank screen thinking. Okay, what comes next? Um, but I know what you mean. It's, you know, what, with the arts comes the feeling of being inspired. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to force it. I mean, you know, that's my time I got to write. And um, unfortunately, I can't just sit down and write when I'm feeling it. Sometimes I have to force the feeling. Right. Um, yeah. There's certain things. There's things you can do to kind of get the creative juices going. There's certain songs that I may listen to or there's certain um, people I like to read that maybe, you know, just kind of reading a couple chapters will get me feeling inspired. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I uh, 
played basketball, and, you know, Michael Jordan was big. Whenever I would mm-hmm. watch Michael Jordan play, I felt like, you know, going outside and shooting hoops. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. The writing's kind of the same thing, and I would imagine, you know, playing music is as well. You listen to those people who inspire you. You read the, the folks who just kind of get you going and feel like, man, I want to do this. Mike, um, is, it, so, is it a good place to stop you because we're going to a commercial yeah, sure, break? Yeah, sure, So, folks, don't go anywhere. We're going to come back with Mike DeLasso and Scott Krokoff. And I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. And we're coming right back to Frankie Sent Some More in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. No, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sent Some More will be right back after we pay the bills. It's Merging get a kick out of the warning labels companies attach to prevent lawsuits from the hooky crooky of this world. A warning label on a dishwasher cautioned not to put any person in the unit. Speaking of dishwashers, one product warning on a television remote control read, not dishwasher safe. That's too bad because we know how dirty the remote control gets. In fact, we press the buttons even harder when we know the battery is dead. What are we, part of the ridiculati? A warning on a baby stroller read, remove child before folding. Here's one for the blunderbusses and poppin' jays among us. A label on a letter opener read, safety goggles recommended. Call me snarky, but any society that needs this many disclaimers has too many lawyers, pedophagers, and snollygosters. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. When eating out, sushi is a wise choice. The Mayo Clinic says that most types of seafood are relatively low in calories and are full of nutritional benefits. The calories in sushi vary depending on the dish and how it's prepared. In fact, the same sushi dish may have a different nutritional profile when it's prepared by a different chef or made in a certain restaurant. This depends on the specific mix of ingredients. Generally though, sushi can be included in a healthy eating plan. To reduce the calories in your sushi meal, avoid anything prepared with mayonnaise or added sauce. Begin your meal with low-calorie soup. Pass over the shrimp tempura rolls and choose the cucumber rolls instead. Be sure to order the sushi without any rice at all because one cup of cooked white rice has about 240 calories. I'm Annette Hammond. And we're back. I am Frankie Picasso. You're listening to Frankie Sense and more. And Mike Deloso is up to bat at the moment. Mike, we we're just talking about writing and, and writing on you know when you have to write because that's the time that you schedule to write. I wanted to ask you though about the characters and, and the topics that you write about. How do you know about this stuff? Like, is it just research? Did you? I know I, I interviewed one author from Tidal. She she goes to the FBI Academy. Like, what have you done? In pursuit of the um, <laughs> what I do is, you know, along my way, I you meet people in life, and mm-hmm. if it's someone I think has an occupation or has a knowledge of something that's going to, um, um, you know, come in handy for me, I'll keep their information, keep their email address, ask them, you know, hey, if you know, if any time in the future I have some questions for you about law enforcement, about government, is it okay if I contact you? And people are always more than willing. So I have kind of a list of folks who are 
Um, you work for the government. They're in law enforcement. I know some guys who are Army Rangers. Um, you know, I do research online, but for these guys, I will contact them, and I'll, I'll send them um, some scenes and say, look, can you read over this, make sure the details are accurate. Um, if there's anything that needs to be changed, let me know, or I'll just shoot them an email. Um, you know, if this guy was doing this, what kind of a handgun would he use? Um, you know, that sort of thing. So I have some people I kind of keep in my back pocket that they're fine with me contacting them and shooting them some questions. But a lot of the research is um, done online. You know, this the age that we live in is really good for writers because in the old days you had to go to the library and do all kinds of research there. And now it's just few keystrokes and, you know, you have the information of the world at your hands there. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, it kind of makes it easy. We, um, you know, I didn't read Centralia yet, and I'm definitely going to go back and read it now because Kill Devil was, was my first Mike yeah, book. Right. But, um, and you didn't need to really read it to to read Kill Devil. It kind of stands on its own. But right, just to right. give the audience uh, an idea, it, there's a family, there's a guy, um, Jed Patrick, and I, I think he's a character in a number of your books. Is that is he? Um, is that right? No, 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 just the two. Just the two. Um, okay. The, the, the two and he, so why don't you tell us who he battle. is and, and what he's up against? Um, Jed Patrick's a uh, uh, former ranger who signed up for a uh, covert kind of organization that would um, uh, train him to be a super soldier, so to speak. Um, little did he know that they were playing mind games with him. This is all, this is all in the, uh, the first book of the, the series, um, Centralia. In Kill Devil, Centralia leaves off. He gets a new identity. He and his family are moved um, to a secret location. Kill Devil starts off where he's found. And um, little girl gets um, uh, um, uh, kidnapped, and Jed Patrick needs to get her back. So he, he has a very unique set of skills, um, but the whole time he's still kind of struggling with the mind games that they played with and the brainwashing that was done. Um, in Kill Devil, we see a whole new form of it that's really kind of on the um, the cutting edge, right? Here, and it's actually you don't real. Know, he doesn't know um, what's real and what's not real when he's thinking things, so it's difficult for him to kind of traverse. Right. The constantly waters. wrestling with what's reality and what's not. Yeah. Um, the thing I like about him is he's a family man, and a lot of times in these thrillers, you don't find that. You find these guys that are kind of rogue, or they're single, or um, they're divorced, maybe, but they're on their own doing their thing. Um, Jed Patrick, he's a family man, and his family and his faith are um, he's kind of central in his life, and that's why he does what he does. And, um, you know, we were talking about the research and stuff, and for the characters themselves, I pull a lot from my own experience. I mean, you know, I consider myself a family man, and my family and my faith are kind of central to my life. So I pull a lot of the emotion for my own life. And um, what readers say is that that really kind of resonates with them, that it, it comes off as feeling very real. 
Yes, it does. You can tell that you're a dad. You can tell that you that your yeah, daughter adores you and that, that you have girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think that comes through for sure. Absolutely. Well, it's a wonderful book. And Scott, I don't know if you've read any, any of Mike's books, but um, I highly recommend it. I'm going to... Let, I'm going to ask Karina to play um, the right place. Start. Let's start with the right place, and then I'll do your introduction. Let's do that. Something that you fear Maybe you made certain moves That weren't wise And never turn up to sense it And there you go. That song is called The Right Place. And let me introduce you to Scott Krokoff. He is a practicing New York attorney who never gave up his lifelong dream to be a singer-songwriter. And so in doing so, he hopes to serve as an inspiration to others who have not yet fulfilled their dreams. And Scott plays Americana-flavored folk, rock, and pop. He's primarily influenced by his love of music from the 60s and 70s. And he weaves elements of folk, rock, and country pop into confessional and compelling Americana. It's so great. And his latest record, 2015's Realizations and Declarations, Volume 2, it received rave reviews from Bearded Magazine, uh, who praised Scott's terrific imaginative powers. And the Vinyl District wrote, his graceful tales of morality and perseverance. And while his music is in the vein of 1960s and 70s songsmiths, it's also recalling of the hot up-and-comers like Father John Misty. And that's from Pop Dose. Scott um, has opened for Ellie King, Grace Weber, and he's toured from Vermont to Nashville, played in Belgium for his biggest fan, and received radio airplay throughout the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Welcome, Scott. Hi. How are you, Frank? Hi. Great. So great to have you have you here. I love um, singer-songwriters. I live with one. <laughs> and, and it's, it, you know... It, um, I think you guys have very similar influences from, you know, James Taylor, Paul Simon. I mean, who hasn't influenced um, anybody who, who plays, you know, acoustic finger style guitar, really? Right. Yeah. No, there's no question about that. Um, I'm definitely influenced by uh, those two and others from that folky singer songwritery era in the, the 70s. And, and I, I kind of do both. I have... I, I, you know, I, I have a lot of songs where, you know, in the, in the Americana vein that I just kind of, uh, where I'm influenced by, by acts like, you know, uh, 
like Fleetwood Mac and and, and the mm-hmm. Eagles and 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 Tom Petty and and and, uh, and Jackson Brown. And then I have that other that folkier side where you know I do a lot of finger picking in that vein, like 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 James Taylor and Paul Simon. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you you are you from that era? Because you don't look that old. No, I'm not from that era, and thank you <laughs> for the compliment. Uh, although the grays on, on my sides are, 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 are increasing by the day. Uh, um, no, no, I, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, um, but oh, wow. I, I've, always okay. been a, I've always been a fan of, of, that, of music from that era. I mean, the Beatles are my all-time favorite. Um, well, they're fantastic. But I'm also, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm also a fan, like, you know, Big fan of like an artist like Bruce Springsteen, or um, and and uh, all the other bands I mentioned, and artists sure. like Van Morrison. A, a lot, a lot of stuff from that from that period. I'm 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 really uh, you know. Like fans to me, there's of, nothing and, better than '70s music. It really, it, like, it's just like to me the greatest music ever written. It holds, you know, the the stands the test of time. And when somebody like you from the '80s and my kids from the '80s go and they listen to this and they fall in love with it, it's like yeah. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah, it's inc- it's in- I'm I'm with you 100%. It's incredibly timeless. Um I almost feel like in today's generation it's almost like in some ways forgotten and it shouldn't be because uh it 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 had I agree with you. It it it, it uh, produced some of the most uh varied and timeless music we have. So let me let me ask you you know a, a question like I asked um Mike. It it's a highly creative process writing a song. You're an attorney. You have to go to work every day, I assume. When and where do you write? I write in every you know nook and cranny left. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> kind of how I write, including sometimes when I'm at work, if something pops in my head, or on the train. Um, it, you know, like you said, sometimes you you know, as you touched upon this earlier, there is some, obviously an uh, an inspirational aspect to creativity. Um, but the rest being perspiration, as as the saying goes. Yes. But um, you know, the things will pop in, you know, pop into your head at, at any given time, and then it's just, and then it's like, where do you find the rest of the time? So, like Mike was, you know, he's an early bird, and he gets up in the morning, and I give you all the credit in the world for doing that, Mike, because I, I am not a morning per- person. Two kids later, I'm still not a morning person. Um, and I, I always struggle getting up in the morning, but I know people like that. I'm a morning who, person. Who, who's, who set aside that time, I think it's a great thing. Um, I, I used to be a nocturnal person. Um, I'm not really nocturnal anymore. I'm, I'm pretty wiped out by that time of the day. So, yeah, it's but, hard uh, for I, you, you know, because you are a musician, and musicians play at night, and you, you work yeah, by day. Thing, it's incredibly hard for that reason. That's one of the challenges I face. I play earlier than I used to, but sometimes I inevitably either go to things or play, you know, one of my my own shows. And even if I'm playing early before I know it, you know, when you stick around and you're watching other acts and networking and all that, I'm still there late. Um, and and that's just the nature of that business. So yes, it it, it is a challenge. And in terms of I writing, I just like you. I said, I'm so sorry because we are going to another commercial break. We have four of them during our show. <laughs> So no, no we're, we're going to come back and speak to you, Scott. We have to, we have to, but stay tuned. We have some bills to pay. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? 
During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. How do you feel about double dipping? You know, when someone picks up a chip or a shrimp, dips it into the sauce, enjoys the taste, and then dips again. I've always been jubbers, that means suspicious, of the communal dip bowl. Refraining from dipping into a delicious crab dip might be too irresistible for an opsophagist. That's a person who loves delicacies. Thick dips such as cheese, chocolate, and hummus are safer with fewer bacteria. Salsa is runny, and so more bacteria can get back into the bowl. To take the hammer glamour or confusion out of it, Think of it this way. Before you double dip at a party, you might ask yourself, do I want to kiss everyone here? Of course, that might depend on who's at the party. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back, and I thank you for sticking around. We are speaking We're speaking to Scott Krokoff, and Mike DeLasso is still here with us, and you're listening to Frankie Sense and More, and I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. So just before we went, Scott was talking about the creative process for him and, and how he's always on. He's always, you know, writing. If there's a, if there's, he has a book, a ledger, a book he takes with us, and he writes stuff down or on pieces of paper, wherever he goes. But for you, Mike, um, then, or Scott, is it then the process to have the words and put the lyric and the melody? to it or is the melody there and you put your words to it that's a good question and actually segue to the very next thing i was going to say so um okay great (laughs) yeah the 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 latter i i almost always do the music first um Mm -hmm. i think i'm probably in the majority of artists who do that but not everyone yeah um goes that way um i know like you know a very famous duo of elton john and bernie Taupin goes Mm -hmm. the other way you know he takes elton john you know bernie writes the lyrics and then elton creates a song out of it but, but, but what i do is i i i uh, I, write, I come up with the music first and in conjunction with that i come up with a melody and i refine that and i usually come with that most of most of the time that is inspirational and most of the time i get i i, I you know i come up with the final form or roughly final form pretty quickly it's the lyrics that take me a lot longer and mm-hmm. often at times it takes because I don't you know I put a lot of effort into it I want to you know create some kind of story uh, around it and that takes a lot of time and that's what what often takes me months sometimes it takes me years depending on the song it's like it's almost like a pregnancy of sorts right and, um, yeah you have to and, birth and, it so <laughs> I mean yeah, is, no with, with all writing it's, it's a birthing process I think it really is and and we'll talk to Mike about that in a, in a few minutes again but with with your songwriting now, have you been writing for a long time or playing guitar for a long time? Yes, yeah, I've been writing and playing for twenty years. Okay, and so did your parents say to you, "You're not going to be a musician; you have to make money to go to law school," or was law also a passion for you? No, no, it, it, it's not like I, I didn't get an ultimatum. <laughs> if that's what you mean <laughs> on that. Um, but you know, I was raised to be responsible, and and, right. and um, 
I actually was not, I never had like aspirations to be a lawyer. I was a, I was a math major, believe it or not. Um, I was actually went, initially went to school to, you know, pursue an engineering degree, but um, I learned pretty quickly I didn't really have the, the passion or the discipline for that either. Um, and then I ended up, fall, you know, majoring in math, and then I fell into law sometime later. I thought when I went to law school, I actually thought I would make, you know, eventually, you know, uh, become a judge, believe it or not. That, that's kind of what I was that's thinking okay. I was going to do. Yeah. But uh, what also, another, another thing I thought about doing um, was tax law because it's sim- it's got similarities to math and that's where I started out and right. that's the field I started out in and then I eventually I did that for several years and then now I'm doing a I kind of lateraled into another field um called digital media um which encompasses a lot of different uh legal issues but it, it wasn't you know it it it's I'll be honest you know I'm I'm more of the you know I take my job very seriously I've I've always done that I have a very strong work ethic but my passion's in my music yeah and, and, and music you know, I always does require a a good degree of you know I mean to be a good musician if you're a mathematician it really helps you out it does. Especially it's very structured, in and a lot. Right, and a lot of people say math and music come from the same part of the brain, mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, it's very. You know, music is at least contemporary music. You know, uh, music like in the traditional sense, as opposed to free form. It's it it is very pattern oriented. So it, it, I could see why there are similarities. And timing, and you know, just understanding time and how time works. Exactly. And, yeah. That, that's right. Timing, chord structures. It, it it there is a logical sense to it not just an emotional one. So if you um, were to, you know, close your eyes and rub your stomach and said, okay, Magic Genie, what I really want to do and be, do you want to be a superstar you know the on stage? Want- <laughs> I, I think you know the answer to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, look, I, 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 and I make no, you know, bones about it. I, I, I'm, a, I'm very passionate about my music. Mm-hmm. I've kept it going for so long under, you know, is it, difficult circumstances sometimes in terms of, you know, time. As I have the same issue that Mike has in that regard. Enough, you know, we're finding enough time to keep it going. But that is my ultimate dream, and, and I would love to have a full-time career eventually. Um, the, in, folks, in, the folks in, on here, uh, the folks who are listening now, weren't privy to our offline conversation and, and that um, Scott is is a dad as well, and, and he has um, – which was a three and a one year old or four and a two year old four and a two four and a two and, and Mike of course we know that he's got five children and the last set going from seventeen to newborn so <laughs> that is mm-hmm. is pretty crazy everybody's a little mm-hmm. you know stressed for time however when you have a passion and you love doing what you do you will make time for it and that is you know for sure for sure the age old let's right um, I, and, I, not, and I'll always I want to play a little bit of of your other song sparrows because it's very different from the right place and let's just see you know where you came from and we'll and we'll talk about that and we'll bring mike into the conversation don't ask me why i cry when the sky is Ask me why I lie when I speak of you. 
not there Like the bird above that's standing on the wire I can't bear looking down to see the concrete floor I must find my Okay, and that's Sparrows, and that's also off your uh, latest, is that off your latest volume two? It is. Yeah, it's a beautiful song, really beautiful song. So very different songs, different moods, different feels. Um, what were you thinking? What was that about? Were yeah, you a little so that song, depressed that day? That, or something? Yeah, <laughs> that's not, the only, not the only day I've, de- I've been depressed and write, okay. wrote a song as a result of it. <laughs> um, Mike, feel free yeah, to join it, in, and, and, and if you have any questions. Yeah, this, well, this song, this song is obviously like, you know, you can tell it's more in the James Taylor kind of sure. finger-picking sense. Um, and it's, you know, it's about finding one's place in the world um, using a bird's nest as, as a metaphor. For that, mm-hmm. now believe it or not, this is actually even though it's on my latest record, it's one of my oldest songs. Oh, um, I, I wrote it. Yeah, I wrote it. It was one of the actually one of the very first songs I wrote um, a very long time ago, and I've recorded uh, a few times over the years. And in this particular latest iteration, it used to be a longer song, and I, I actually cut off a little bit that I thought was just a little extraneous because I thought the song, frankly, was a little too long, you know, uh, especially in, in, in this day and age in, in pop song, songwriting. And I, I think breathe new life to it. I think, you know, like a lot of other songwriters, initially when you write, you sometimes write a little bit longer. Um, right. And then you, as, as you mature, as you continue doing it, you become a little more efficient um, with what you're trying to say and how you're trying and to And that's a really it. good point. And, you know, Mike, when you're writing a book, like, you know, and I'm also an artist. I paint, and and there's a point where it comes in your art and your writing and, and songwriting, even um, where it's done. And some people don't know when to finish, and they take it too far. How was it yeah. for you in the writing process? Um, I, well, yeah, I mean, it goes with it goes along with that. Um, it's something that's you know part of the art. It's never really finished. You can never mm-hmm. say, okay, this is this is as um, um, you know perfect as it's going to get. It never is. You can always fiddle with it. You know, you tweak it, you do this and that. And, um, you know, I talk to so many writers at writer conferences and they say, oh, I've been working on this book for seven years. And, you know, sooner or later, you just got to say, this is it. You know, it's finished. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's hard. You know, when you have, when you're working with um, a publisher and they're Giving you a contract and you got the deadline, that makes it easy because sure. you know, you know, I can kind of plan it out. It takes me about three months to write the first draft. And then I, you know, I'll spend another six weeks or so going over it before I have to send it in so that the editor can go over it. But I have a deadline. I have to be finished by a certain day. When you don't have a deadline, you can just keep fiddling with it. And there comes a time where you have to say, this is it. It is what it is. It's finished. It's as 
best as I can make it. Any change I make now is not making it change for the better. It's just making a change for change sake. Right. I can tell you recording a song is the same. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Making, you, you, can, you, can spend the, you're in, you can spend your entire life right, you know, recording one song. You really can. Yeah. You're, you, could, you, you could always question whether that was the right direction it, it was meant to go or whether you want to redo a certain part or whether you want to re-sing it. And it really does come to a certain point where you have to let go of it and say, this is it. It's good enough. I'm comfortable with mm-hmm. it. And now I throw it yeah. to the wolves. <laughs> I, throw it to yeah. the public and, I mean, for some people, it's see what they fear, think you know, fear that, oh, I'm going to show it to people and I'm going to get some feedback and I'm not sure I want that. Or it's, you know, they're perfectionists or they're just really, you know, they really don't think they're done. But, you know, sometimes you mess I think it it's up. A bit, I, think, I, think, I think it's a bit of all that. I think it's a bit yeah. of all that because, you, you know, I think as creators, we definitely have perfectionist tendencies. We obviously want it to be as mm-hmm. perfect as, as we, we envisioned it to be. But at the same time, we do have that innate fear to some degree as to how people are going to react to it. You know, is this, I'm confident in it, but is the, is, are my fans going to like it as much as I do? Yeah. You know? So... Um, Mike, I want to know how long does it take you to write a book? I mean, that that's a pretty big book, Kill Devil. Yeah, I, um, yeah the first draft is about three months. And, uh, you know, that's writing seven days a week. I wow. shoot for about a thousand, thousand words a day. Um, so the first draft, and then I will go over it and over and over it <laughs> for another six weeks or so. Um and then at that time, I have to say, look, you know, it's as good as it's going to get, and it's um, time to send it off to the publisher right. uh, because they've already told me the publication. This is when it's coming out, and we need it by such and such a date so the editors can go over it and we can, um, you know, get the marketing and the um, you know the publicity engine going on it. Well, we're um, about to go to our last break. Yeah. <laughs> and when we come back, we got more stuff to talk about. Believe me, I got some questions for you. So don't go anywhere, folks. We've got two amazing artists with us, a writer, a songwriter. If you've ever wanted to do either or both, stick around. Do you like fair food? You know, loverwort, such as corn dogs, funnel cakes, and anything else you could put in a deep fryer. Loverwort is another word for food that has no nutritional value. This year, I went to the Texas State Fair, where they were serving up fried King Ranch casserole, fried Thanksgiving dinner, and fried Nutella. The California State Fair boasts fried Krispy Kreme chicken sandwiches. What's a word for a person who loves a certain type of food to the point of madness? An opsomaniac. At the Iowa State Fair, you can enjoy a hot beef sundae. That's a big scoop of mashed potatoes over roast beef covered with gravy, sprinkled with cheddar cheese, and garnished with a cherry tomato to look like a sundae. What's another word for messy food? My wallet. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Is it better to work out by yourself or to exercise with a workout partner? It really depends on your personal preference and what your workout personality is. Fitness Magazine pulled its readers and found that 74% like to exercise alone. They preferred to work out with zero distractions. 14% liked group exercise classes 
or they could be social butterflies. And then there were 12% who enjoyed exercising with a gym buddy, just one person that they worked out with. Personally, I like to work out solo when I'm doing my weight workout each day. I like to concentrate on my form, and I enjoy the alone time. But when it comes to cardio work, I prefer to work out with someone else. Engaging in a good conversation really makes the time go by faster for me. Find out your workout personality and what works best for you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. And you're listening to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. I'm here with Mike Delasso and Scott uh, Krokoff. And I, you know, I want to say Prokoff. <laughs> Skip Prokoff. You, you got it right. You, you got house. it right. You, you, now you're pr- pronouncing it great. I mean, some people uh, butcher it, and you've done a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we were just talking about music uh, off air, and Mike, Mike was telling uh, Scott how much he, he enjoyed his music. But Mike, you were saying before, when you write, sometimes you listen to music. And I, I was going to ask you, what music did you listen to to inspire you? Um, yeah, I, you know, it really varies. Um, um, sometimes, usually music with no words, and it's usually soundtrack. Okay. Um, you know, classical. All classical Glass music. Of the Mohe- okay. Glass of the Mohicans um, uh, soundtrack's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Okay, so kind of movie scores. Yeah. Movie, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Um, Scott, have you ever written a book, or did you want to write a book? I've never written a book. Um, I have thought about it. Um, it, it, it it's some kind of like a and I, it's something I like to do in the back of my mind, but you know, obviously my time is pretty limited to begin right. with. And, and yeah. uh, any any time I have now is for music. But I have thought about it. I thought about it. Maybe down the road. Yeah, I, I interviewed this girl. She was um, in in San Diego, and she she wrote a book about musicians and their songs and stuff. And it's kind of cool, like to do a song book of photographs and and your music and the inspiration for that music. I, I just writing is just incredible for me. But um, I wanted to ask you, Mike, your, your writing process, I know that, you know, we talked to Scott about the music comes first and then, then the writing. But when you structure your book, do you, I mean, do you actually do like a framework st- structure or do you just start writing and then say, okay, that's going to be chapter three? Or do you actually start at the beginning and go to the end? Like I write self-help, so I can kind of do it differently, I think. Yeah, for nonfiction, you kind of have to, um, uh, plan it out, you know, chapter for chapter. Sure. Um, for fiction, you know, there's two different ways to tackle fiction. One is with an outline, and the other one is just what they call um, shooting from the hip or seat mm-hmm. of the pants. And that's me. And you know, I don't have the patience to sit down and write out an outline. And, and I, I don't know, I feel like fiction, <laughs> yeah, you know, fiction is more of the creative, uh, fluidity of it and so I kind of get an idea for where the story is going to start um, you know I have an idea for the characters and then I usually will have an idea where it's going to end what the climax is and then I'll just kind of you know as I write I just kind of make it up as I go and again I'm thinking about it during the day so I'm always thinking well, what's going to happen next and, and then I'll kind of take the um, uh, take the plot down a certain road, and now that's not going to make sense. So let's take it down this road. Yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. I'm constantly kind of doing that. Um, 
So, so when you so when you start when you start your book, do you yeah. know what the ending's going to be, or do you know like yeah. okay, I'm going to do I, I have yeah, a plot. I this is my plot idea. Yeah, I do. I know where it's going to start, and I usually have a really good idea for where everything's going to wrap up. Um, it doesn't always happen that way because as you go, you know, this seems weird, but sometimes the characters will kind of um, they take over, come alive, and the, yeah, those are kind of do <laughs> things that take you by surprise. And yeah. for non-writers, they think that's <laughs> think it's kind of weird, but it does. It happens. They, and, they do come um, alive. And what about you, Scott? Like yeah. when you're writing a song and you've got the music, and um, like you say, okay, I'm going to write a, an upbeat song this time, or are you just doodling on the guitar and you go, oh, that's kind of a cool riff, and then it just flows. You go, yeah, yeah, I like that. That's going to be that kind of a song. Like how? It, how does it's it work a, for you? usually it, it could be both. Um, it could be either of those. Um, a lot of it I've come up with just doodling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just noodling on the guitar, and all of a sudden, some, you, know, you, you fall into something. And before you know it, you got some idea. Then you throw a melody on it, and then that's, that's. I've come up with a lot of my songs like that. Sometimes I come up with it in my head, and I might not be home with the guitar, and I, I'll sing it some kind of melody in the, uh, on my phone. And then mm-hmm. later, when I go home, I'll flesh it out a bit more. And then sometimes you do have more of a focus. Where you you think, oh, I want to write more of a ballady song, or I wanted to try something more upbeat. But again, that will, you'll still kind of will be just noodling or jamming, whatever you want to call it, and, and, right. and then you come up with you know with, with something more concrete. Like, and when it comes my to my lyrics, like, you know, he just put out his his latest CD. It just got done, and, and like I'll listen to his songs, and I go, you know what? Like you've got too many songs that are the same beat. Like you've got to like. <laughs> Make some slower, make some faster. Like you got to do something different. So right, yeah, a no, that's song. that's a that's a great that's a great point. I mean, there are times I've 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 gotten that. You know, I felt that way myself, or even someone might have said something like after a show, and I would think, oh, you know, I need to you know vary it more, or I realize I might have certain song, you know, uh, a certain number of songs in a certain tempo already, and I don't really need to do that again. I do try to, you know, every time I try to come up with a new song, I try to do something. And a little bit different because I want it, I want the song to stand on its own. I don't want it to just be some repeat or some reprise or regurgitation of a song I already did because it kind of takes away from the song beforehand. And I don't you know you, as an artist you always want to do something you know new. Okay, so here's a question for both of you: um, Is your favorite thing that you've written the last thing that you've written, or is it something different? Um, for me, it was my uh, third book. Um, what, what was that book called? That was um, Darlington Woods. And okay. for me, I um, several years ago, I went through... Um, Darlington Woods, okay. Um, uh, I, I was... Uh, um, uh, Diagnosed with colon cancer, and following that whole thing of the chemo, surgery, blah blah blah, that was the first novel that I wrote following that. And oh, and I want to say I'm so happy that you made it through your cancer. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah, I am. Yes, I agree. I'm sure you are. It was a long battle, and following that, though, I wrote this book, and it's you know suspense. Um, but there's a lot of symbolism in it, a lot of symbol about the monsters that we face in life. And um, I think it was a way subconsciously for me to kind of 
pour out all the struggles I had going through mm-hmm. cancer and kind of pour them into this story. And I'm sure you've gone through things also in life, um, it, both of you, where you find inspiration in that. And it's almost a subconscious therapeutic kind of thing to write a song mm-hmm. or to write a story about it. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Definitely have to read that book. What about you, Scott? Um, I, I, I definitely, you know, you know, more excited. I think uh, of newer material only because it is newer. It is, it is fresher. You know, you tend to uh, you always want to know. You, you always want to feel like you're improving. Um, for example, I have a brand new song out called Groundhog that I really like. It took me a a few years to write it actually because uh i wrote it over the course of a few winters and it's about i use gra- the groundhog as a an, as a metaphor for uh, for confrontation and and uh I, I finally got it done and uh it's gotten really really nice uh reception so far um but How in terms you of send me that oh, song why did you choose the ones that you that you sent <laughs> well those <laughs> are recorded this, this, i could this, this this i just have a you know youtube video live performance of i don't have a, an actual recording ah, of it yet okay um but i will be i will be later this year otherwise i would have sent that to you okay, um cool. but i <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh i i also have uh you know i'm fans of i, mean, I definitely am proud of my older material you know uh the songs I sent you, obviously, but I also, uh, you know, big song I'm really, you know, ha- proud of was a song called "I Got Nothing," which is uh, also on my new record, which is about uh, consequences of not taking risks, uh, in, 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 in particularly in this case, uh, in, in the affairs of the heart. And uh, what I really liked about this one is just how it came together, and in, in, in the sense that it had a different feel than a lot of my other songs. And uh, that one, that one has also gotten a, a really nice reception. So, but you know, I think well, I'm like I'm like a lot of songwriters in the sense that you you hope that your your latest is your greatest, or at least that it's on the up and up. Yeah, I don't have a lot of patience with creation. I like to I like the end to come quickly. So <laughs> I like to see my finished product. So I, I, I paint really fast. Yeah. I, you know, I write really fast. Uh, it's just exciting for me. I want to make sure that we get your websites in before the end of the show. We've got maybe about three three minutes maybe left in the show. So, Mike, let's start with you. Your website is. Um. um is, so it's is my it name. name? Mm-hmm. Um. So MikeDelosso.com, which is D-E-L-L-O-S-S-O. O-S-S-O, yes. Okay. And that's Mike's website. You can get his books. You can get his books on Amazon. You can get his books, you know, I, I'm assuming from his website. Um, and you're, you do workshops and teach writing? Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, I did. Not a whole lot. Um, um, yeah, I teach on college uh, um, course a year, and I usually do – two to three writers' conferences a year. Nice. Okay. And, Scott, your website is also your name? Yeah, it's also my name. It's Scott with two Ts, Krokoff, K-R-O-K-O-F-F, so scottkrokoff.com. And there you could uh, read up about me. You could, I have a music player there that, that, that highlights a, a lot of selected tracks, including off my latest record. And I also – you got uh, – uh, you could also uh, – access my YouTube videos and my upcoming shows and all, and my social media pages. Well, that's fantastic. And tomorrow I know that you're going to be um, participating in the Naked Challenge Creative Summit, day five. 
you're going to be there. Yes. And if folks want to go to that, that's on blab.im, and you can check Scott out there. I know that. Yes, I'm totally, yeah. And, and, and uh, as uh, Frankie, you can detest, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, be a part of this. And I know uh, you, you were excited for your day, which was day two, I believe. So, I was uh, day two, and I, yeah. got to, I got to co-host the last today and uh, tomorrow, so it's kind of fun. I'm, having, I'm enjoying oh. meeting everybody, so that's kind of fun, too. And, oh, Mike, um, this is a summit for creative people, people who are authors and filmmakers yeah, and yeah, writers. Yeah, I've never heard and, of it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So if you're if you're home and you can check it out, you should get on to Blab and check it out because it's it's very, tomorrow is uh, the real creative people, the you know the actors and the musicians and right right stuff. okay so it's yeah kind of kind of yeah, exciting, cool. kind of an exciting day. Um, but I just want to say thank you both so much for coming on and being my guest today and really just you know showcasing the brilliant talent that that you both are and just how. Um, how much passion and heart you really have to put into writing a book and writing a song to make it, you know, to be able to do it. And when people say, I don't have time, there's always time when there's passion. If you make it a priority. Yep. Yep. yep I, I, like, I, always well, tell, and, uh, I always tell people when they complain about not having time, I say, you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. You're talking to the wrong guy. Make sure you check <laughs> out the book and, their, and their music, go to their websites again. Um, because it's just fantastic. You can find them again at the goodradionetwork.com. I'll post where you can buy those. So thank you again. We're out of time and bless you. Okay. Thank you very much, Frankie. Thank you. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you so much. And great, Thanks, great, uh, great, great, uh, great talking with you, Mike, as well. The same here, Scott. Thank you. you one way to make smile. 